Hey, y'all, before we get started, I just want to ask that you please subscribe on the platform that you're listening on, um, whether that be Spotify or Apple Music. Just hit that subscribe button. It does a goes a long way with pushing us up on the algorithm and just furthering um, the amount of listeners that are getting the great content from, from these awesome guests here locally. Also, uh, big announcement, we now have merch. That's right. Um, if you go to mpgpodcast.com, uh, we have shirts and visors and fanny packs and the whole lot. If there's anything that you don't see that you think that we should have, um, please let me know. Also, that is in reference to if there's a size that we don't have that you want, a special order or anything like that. Um, I can be reached at josh at moslerrealestate.com. That's josh at m-o-s-e-l-e-r realestate.com. Also, um, we've been having quite a few requests that um, the show gets put on YouTube. So, starting on May 5th, YouTube. All the shows will be put on YouTube. All, not only the existing ones will be uploaded onto there, but also every uh, all the new ones will, have, will be on there plus video. So, the old ones won't have video, but the new ones all will have video. And um, we're working on making that experience as good as possible just to keep the show as, you know as good as we possibly can to make sure the quality is still there so anyway thank you guys for all the support and i uh, hope you enjoy see you guys soon hey everybody it's the mpg real estate show i'm your host josh mosler this week i got mike art angelo what's up man how you doing how's it going thanks for having me yeah man uh you came highly recommended chelsea <laughs> phillips yeah, she's <laughs> she sold me all my houses. So <laughs> I'd hope I'd be recommended. She said um, we were talking a little bit before the show, and you guys have you guys do a lot of multifamily. You're a local mm-hmm. investor. Yep. Um, I guess let's, we can just dive in like the classic first question. I pretty much ask everybody, which yeah. is 18 to right now. Kind of what's been the trajectory to get from then to where you are now? Okay. Um, bought my first triplex, first house, period, in 2016. Um, I was. I was in the army. I was previously stationed here back like the 13 through 15 period. I'd go away for training for a year and a half, but then I found out I was coming back here. So my wife and I were like, all right, we definitely want to buy a house. Like we want to live downtown. It's so expensive. Like we're going to have to get a multi-unit to like hopefully rent a unit out and help with the mortgage so we can just live somewhere nice. Um, and she found this, she showed us a few places and 2016 was when the city was really like just, I mean, the, the, like the gentrifying line was, was still pretty close to Forsyth park, you know? So I was, I was almost leery about living on park Avenue, which now <laughs> is like <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, and she found us this triplex, like that was just, it's on the hundred block. And it was, I didn't realize how big of a steal of a deal it was at the time, but we liked Chelsea, we trusted her and she told us like, you want this house. And I walked through it and I was terrified. It was just because I, I, I wasn't experienced with like what, how much work goes in and how much things cost. Like I was looking at stuff. I'm like, this is, this is going to be hundreds of thousands to fix up. Like we're never, it's just going to be a sinkhole for money. And it's pretty much been the opposite since. <laughs> uh, what like, so what were the numbers on that first deal? Uh, so I, I did a VA loan on it. Um, it was 440 was, I, th- I think the ask. And we ended up getting about 25k repairs out of them. They put like new siding. They resided like one side of it and painted before we bought it. Um, and then with the VA, it's like I think we were slightly over the limit at the time. So I think I had to put maybe 15,000 down and just finance the rest at three point nothing. And it was um, so with the three units. The second we moved into the first floor. Second one was vacant. And then the third floor had a long-term tenant in there. So I think our payment was about 2,700 principal interest taxes insurance. He was paying 900 and then we renovated the second floor. She, Chelsea was like, oh yeah, people are doing like vacation rentals downtown. Like it's this new thing. <laughs> you might get 200 nights. It's, so we fixed, we fixed up the second floor and it, it just caught fire. It was we booked like 350 nights the first year. Holy it was just, cow. it was out of control. Um, we're like, hey, we can do this. And as soon as that tenant moved out, we did the same thing on the third floor and had two of them. So we were now, I think one floor pays the mortgage there. 
Okay. Yeah. So there's all your so then all the units that you've bought since then have you guys turned into? Uh no, we got we do a mix. Um, we bought a we bought that in sixteen, and then we bought a duplex in right in the beginning of eighteen. So about sixteen months later, bought that with an FHA loan. So same thing, like super low down payment. And by the second one, I really started paying attention to like loans and basically how how debt works and started reading up on it, got into bigger po- bigger pockets. And then after that, I was like, okay, like we can do this. Um, so we just started, we started house hacking and every year we were moving, we'd buy a place with an FHA or a primary residence loan. And then we'd fix them up and refinance them like basically right behind that. So there, I mean, that was, we just try to get in as cheap as we could spend all our money on fixing it up and then refinance out of those like uh like an fha loan with into a primary or a uh, conventional loan right. without having to put any more money into it just because it had appreciated from us fixing it up and then the savannah market of course was appreciating like crazy. crazy yeah <laughs> yeah um what's like the limits that you normally pull out like so is there like rules you know what's your rules that you follow generally for as far as like when you refi out yeah like are you refining the full 80 Oh, I, I refi as much as I can right now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, with, with rates so low right now, I'm trying to bury myself in like 2%, 3% debt. <laughs> yeah, I got so, you. Because I, I, I mean, I've looked at rates historically. I don't think it's ever going to be like this again. So I I recognize that right now it's not normal, so I'm just trying to take advantage of it. It's pretty insane. Yeah. How sustainable do you think that is? The, like, how long do you think that this will last, the low rates? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't think, I mean, the, the Fed keeps talking about like, hey, we're going to hold them down until we feel good about the employment rate and the economy and everything like that. And I think COVID is, hold. they're going to, at least another year or two, I think they're going to hold the rates down. Do you think it'll ever be like what it was pre-07, 08? Like, because back in, in the yeah. early 2000s, it was what, like, it was like 6, 7%, right? Yeah. Do you think we'll ever return to that level? Yeah, I do. I think that's going to be that's going to come back and that's going to be the way things are. I really, I really think so. And that'll be the new standard. Yeah. I, from what I understand, like 3% 30 year mortgages are like kind of unique to the United States. Like you can't get that in Europe. It's just not how their, their market works. So what do you get in Europe? Just way higher. I mean, Oh, I got you. Yeah. Like, like Like the length is not, is the same. No, interest rates are even like, I don't even think a 30 year mortgage is, a thing in a lot of other countries. So That's crazy. Yeah. I wonder why only here. Dude, God bless America. Yeah. <laughs> Greatest country in the world. <laughs> Works for me. Anyway, uh, let's go back because I mm-hmm. kind of skipped over a little bit there. So Yeah, sorry. So you're in the Army. Yep. Uh, what was kind of the jump? Why did you contact Chelsea? Like, what made you think about getting into real estate in the first place? So we weren't thinking about getting into real estate. We were trying to find a nice place to live. Um, and we called, I think I called three realtors and we just liked her the most. I mean, she called us back and was very attentive. Like we gave her a date that we were going to be in town and she cleared her schedule and walked us all over town. Um, so we didn't really think about getting into real estate until we saw how successful that triplex was. And then that is where I kind of started getting into it. Um, my dad bought a duplex and they started renting it out and we were managing it for him. Sarah's dad bought a quad in town. So we started managing that for him and we just, just it just kept happening by accident really um chelsea was throwing these like sick multi-units at us <laughs> and as soon as she's like you want this house i'm like i mean if you say it's good i'm gonna buy it just because of how well the first one went right and uh my wife kind of like she follows the market as far as like she sees what prices are and like pays attention to zillow and all that and she'll be like just off the top of her head she's like this is a good buy and then I kind of agree with her with like my little rule of thumbs, but then I crunch the numbers and like, wow, yeah, that is awesome. So she just kind of points to it and then I do the math to make sure it works out. So you don't really pay attention. Like she's the, she's the one that with the thumb on the market and you're just like the background numbers. Kind of, kind of both. I mean, we've done, I've had two off market deals and that was two that I generated just from, they're both our next door neighbor. And I was like, Hey, you want to sell your house? Networking. Yeah. (laughs) Those, those are, Probably my best two deals were my last two, and those were the person next door. So one next door to one we manage, and then the one that next door to the one we lived in. So we bought both of those. Let me ask you this: uh, in 2015, 
I don't know the whole history behind this. Did they have the permits for um, like for vacation? Rentals? Yeah, like the caps and all that stuff. In no, it was the Wild West. Um, you had to go to depending on how your house was zoned. You had to go to a hearing and get it. You had to get a special use for it. So that's what we had to do on our first one. So I went to the zoning board all like dressed up and like <laughs> made my case as the. Oh, I'm just an army officer, like trying to make a little money, you know, and that's really what, what it was at the time, um, versus now where I'm a real estate investor and property manager. Right. So when, and then once they give you that special use, is that permanent or were, like, it, were you grandfathered in? Yeah. So everybody before 20, I think it was 2018. If you had a, if you had a permit that was not owner occupied, like you just got a permit on the place, didn't live there, that those stayed in place and then they they put the 20% cap on and then that's been um basically every every ward was already over that 20% cap so they just essentially stopped issuing permits out okay after that cuz every everybody was over the the cap already right so there's a wait list but i don't think it's ever going to move yeah why would it like no. if you had a house why would you ever get rid of it yeah it's 150 bucks a year for the for a permit so <laughs> and it adds a lot to yeah. the value of your house at least in savannah so has that hampered your growth at all since then, since 2018? No, because we there's so many there were so many existing rentals and there was a lot of substandard management that there's always people that are trying to find a better manager in town. I think there's there's a couple thousand permits right now, so there's it's there's, not like a shortage. No, there's plenty for everybody, and I think there's I think half of them are being mismanaged. So like <laughs> there's there's a market if you want it. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, and so that was your first experience in vacation rental. So you buy that triplex. Yep. You had no background at all. Correct. And no. then, so then what's the jump to the second property? What's the second property? The buy? second property was, we were like, Hey, we got to get out of this house so we can vacation rent it. Cause it's, it was doing so well. Like we're, we're losing money living here. <laughs> uh, so we bounced and Chelsea found us another sick deal on the West side of park. So we were like 300 block West park, another duplex. I think it was three twenty. Which now, like, if you can find a duplex for three twenty downtown, you're killing it. It's yeah, yeah, it's out of control. But that was still like a thing in two thousand eighteen, um, and so we bought that with the FHA, moved in, um, we started, and we cleaned up the upstairs. We had, I think, we had tenants in there for like a year, like long term tenants, um, and then once they moved out, we cleaned it up, new bathroom, uh, and at this point, we were getting pretty good at managing contractors and renovations and stuff, so. Um, we got into that one pretty, pretty cheap. And then since we live there, we can vacation around the upstairs. Right. So we started doing that. So you're just rolling house, house hacking into house hacking. Yep. And we, we ended up having to, we bought another one the following year. So we had to put that on pause. We moved into that one just cause we want favorable rates. I mean, <laughs> right. it's just us, no kids. <laughs> yeah. So we, yeah. can, we can move every year. We right. don't have a lot of stuff. Um, that was just another cheap duplex downtown, which we still have long-term tenants in that one. Okay. And you're just waiting. Are you going to end up turning it, you think? Or? Uh, we might want to. It's really big. Um, it could be a quad. So we might might see if we can get this city to let us cut it in half and have a four unit instead. Yeah. So, But the once again, the cash flow is, is like almost too good to, to touch right now. It's The mortgage is after a refi. It was, we, we had a higher rate when we got it, but after refinancing, I think the mortgage is 18 and change and we're getting 17 per unit. So like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to mess with it. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, when you're touring these houses and you're making buying decisions, what kind of things are you looking for? Um, obviously we like the nicest house in, or the worst house in the nicest area. Like getting the worst house on the block means you're, you're probably getting a deal for it. And then you, you can't control your neighbors. So that's like, that's a big thing. Um, you can control everything with the house. Like you can make the house nicer. You can fix it up. You can put new plumbing in. So we're not worried so much about the house as much as like what's around it. Um, and we're, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers too. Like I want, I want 10% on my cash every year. So whatever it takes between the down payment and all the other crap you got to pay at closing. Um, and then after all my expenses throughout the year, I want 10% on top of that and that's kind of my my rule of thumb if you will did you have any like hard lessons learned on that first one like contractors and your numbers and- yeah we did <laughs> uh we so we had to sue our first contractor whoa and that was like luckily he finished okay the job 
but at the end he didn't pay his subs so the, the plumber and the electrician were like hey we're never getting any money out of him and we're gonna put a lien on you if we don't get paid and i chased him for like two days and he was just dropped off the face of the earth so we paid them again even though we'd already paid him to pay them so we had to yeah we did we sued him and my guess is you came out of pocket for that yeah uh we after two and a half years we collected we finally like we would get little bits and pieces out of him for um like every couple months he would just pop up and the lawyer would like whack him with 700 bucks or a thousand bucks or something and then we finally got it all but we paid about a third of the entire amount in legal fees Whoa. so it wasn't like it wasn't it was a lot of money but it wasn't a ton right but we uh we learned a hard lesson about contractors at that point i mean because we're like it was a pretty we had like an estimate and like invoices but we didn't have a solid contract on that one okay which we didn't we figured you probably needed but we thought what we were doing was okay um his work wasn't great but it was good so was he licensed no i don't think so okay yeah so like what lessons did you learn then? Like so what do you apply now that you learn from that first experience? Yeah, we want we want a guy licensed. We want to we're very detailed about what we want done. Like we talk about everything, like this is how we want the trim, this is how we want the lights, like this is who's responsible for this, that, like we're paying for supplies, you're we're just paying you for labor or however however it works out. Um, and then we get signatures on there and that's the that's the number. And if we got if we have to go back to um, if there's changes, then we, we get them on paper. It's, it just protects both sides, really. Like, there's nothing worse than you not being on the same page as the guy you're paying a ton of money to fix your house up for. And, I mean, he's got to make money, too. Like, that's important. I mean, if right. you're – there's been times where we're negotiating with contractors and we're like, hey, man, how much are you making on this? Because, like, how hard is he going to work if he's not getting paid out, you know? Right. So, I mean, that's important, too. Um, and it builds a good relationship. we got a really good guy now who – um uh, he's probably our, our guy going forward. Have you had to cycle through a lot to find your guy? Yeah. So I mean, how have you found contractors then? Uh, cold calls. I mean, just like recommendations off, um, like Ardsley Park Open Chat. Uh, just, yeah, referrals from other uh, other investors, from other contractors. Like we'll have a, a plumber in there who knows a drywall guy, who knows a painter, and usually they're – if we like the painter, then usually his crew is pretty good. So, yeah, trial and error. So you can <laughs> tell a lot, lot by, like, so hire, like, a contractor, and if they do a good job and they recommend a painter, then you know, like, the painter's going to be decent. Or Yeah, and we, we start everybody small, too. Like, we'll – our guy now was just doing little odd job fix-it stuff for us, and we just developed a relationship with him. So little little pieces, and then we're like, hey, we got, we got a bathroom for you. And then do the bathroom, works out bathroom looks great and the price is right then give them bigger and so we just we just finished renovating uh the duplex next to us okay on west park and that was that guy had just grown from doing smaller projects for us to top and bottom full down to the studs and now he's your guy he's our guy yeah <laughs> yeah once you find him you gotta you gotta like dig Locked into him. him yeah it's it's so hard to get people to to show up in savannah like even to come to the the job site is just get blown off all the time it's just there's so much work in the investing world right now too especially like it seems like there's a real need for contractors yeah i mean I'm, i imagine i don't know that much about like retail you know after the house has been bought and whatever retail buyers but um it's bad it's bad right now people are dying for begging for them it's pretty crazy yeah yeah so go online open chats <laughs> <laughs> yeah just don't call your guy yeah, the first the first guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah, don't or the guy I have now. You can't have him. Yeah. Um, how much like have so? Do you pay more than like a premium for for that? Like to keep people around? We we incentivize them a little bit. Like we we'll drop like a um like a little bonus that he wasn't expecting at the end, like stuff like that. And you have them manage the project, or are you managing the project? Uh, a little bit of both. It was next door, so I could. I was over there every day. Right. Just walk walk through, like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys missing? What do you what do you need? Oh, we need bathroom tile. And I'd like run and grab bathroom tile, or like Sarah needs to order the lights that we're getting, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, he was he was managing all the the real technical stuff, but we were kind of um, 
we're available to kind of oversee everything. Okay. And are you managing the subs too, or is he managing the no. subs? Okay. No. I, I learned that the hard way. I don't, I don't talk to anybody's guys. Like, okay. Ever. <laughs> that, that's their guys. If I, I mean, they were, they were great. So I didn't, I didn't have problems, but like there was once or twice, one dude is like a master plumber that works for him. And while I'm managing my other properties, like plumbing issues come up all the time. So I called him once and I was like, Hey man, I need, I got water spraying everywhere. Like come help. And the, the GC was like, don't pull my guy off the job just cause he was, he was working on my house. Right. Even though he's working on my house and I'm using him, it was still a, it was a little, like, little conflict. I yeah. got you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's the same way in the army. Like don't, if you, if you have, if you need something from a subordinate, but he's got another boss in between, just go to the boss. It's just better relations. <laughs> <laughs> how, um, how much do you think that the, like your career in the military has like affected your investing? Like, is there a lot of skills you learn there that you apply? Um, good question. Um, I think what I learned, what I learned from the military is a lot of like persistence is, is key. Like you gotta, you gotta stay on, on top of people. Um, and it's definitely big in the military, but I think I got it off a of bigger pockets podcast was, uh, you have to inspect what you expect. So if you want something and you say that you like, that's important to you, like you need to very periodically like check up on that. And if it's not to your liking, you need to say something about it. And that's the same thing with in the military. Like there's way too much stuff to do during the day. So if you're going to set priorities, you need to, you need to make sure you need to give feedback to whoever's executing your priorities that, Hey, you're, they're getting done to standard or they're not. I mean, you can just let stuff go and your subordinates or people working for you are going to just do whatever they want to do. Um, but if you keep them like focused on priorities, then they're, they know what they're supposed to be doing and what you want is getting done. So what did you do in the military? I was a helicopter pilot. Really? Yeah. That seems like a fun job. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long were you in? I was in for 10 years. Whoa. Okay. Yep. You don't, you look young, man. 32. Really? Yeah. Would not have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's funny. I was telling, I was saying before, like, uh, just based off how much you accomplished and stuff, I thought you were a little older yeah. and then now I see you and I thought you were younger than that. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I, every once in a while people are like, wow, you have your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, so you have some long-term rentals. <laughs> And the vacation, what was, what's been the learning curve on vacation? Like, what is the similarities? What are the differences? What are the unique challenges? They're, I think they're entirely different things. Okay. Yeah. Um, and people, some people who are in long-term get into vacation rentals thinking that they're similar and they really aren't. Um, vacation renting is hospitality straight up. It's, it's more akin to like bartending or restaurant management or running a hotel. Like you, the people who are staying there are customers they're paying a lot of money they want every, it's it's basically they're going to disney world for a couple of days or a week and it needs to be everything needs to be spot on if they have a question you need to answer it right now if the sink is leaking like you can't get to it tomorrow because they, they may be leaving um so it's very very active investing i'd say um whereas long-term renting i'm not saying your tenants aren't as important but like it's it's just a different, there's different responsibilities. Um, I mean, they're the ones who, if they clog the toilet, they got to unclog the toilet unless right. they can't, unless, or if you've agreed on something else, but it's usually a more laissez-faire, like call me if you need me, but it's your house until the end of the term with long-term running. Um, you can do long-term running as a passive investment, um, but you can't with, with vacation running. So, and you, you like can't, you almost can't even have, um, frank discussions with airbnb guests like they're they're customers and they're always right, right. so even if they're crazy you still have to <laughs> you have to come into their crazy world and solve their problem like in that world because if you um if you're if you tell them what you really think even if you're 100 percent right they're gonna fry you with a review and that's you were you're better off giving them all their money back and everything they want than having a bad review at least we've found What's your process like? So, um, where do you guys list them? Airbnb. Okay, on Airbnb. Yep. You don't do VRBO or anything like that. No, we we did in the beginning, and it just wasn't working out. We were getting as much traffic as we needed on Airbnb. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, what's like the process? So, if somebody 
checks in and like what are you doing behind the scenes to like keep everything flowing um so i was doing it today i mean i was i had mentioned that i smelled like bleach before i came over here um <laughs> i was uh i was going around we're quarterly uh replacing air filters like in between reservations um i was uh i was blowing an air compressor down all the lines to because you know you get the, that algae buildup down south yeah. in, the, in the drain lines i think two years ago i had like probably 10 or 15 systems like fill their drain pan just because i didn't know about HVAC maintenance last year I only had four and I'm going for zero this year. <laughs> um, but, uh, anyway, so to your question, we have a, we contract two cleaning staffs and they, they're in there changing all the linens, doing all the COVID sanitation stuff, um, which has been pretty crazy recently. Um, and then sweep mop, just make the place look perfect, put out snacks and, and then I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the maintenance guy. So I'm going around like tightening doorknobs, unclogging sinks like that kind of stuff in between um and then sarah's more the like the visionary like hey these these curtains are old they need they need replaced like let's get some new furniture in here or something like that or let's let's put a new bathroom into this place so this is all on behalf of our clients and and the ones that we manage or and the ones we own as well right because we talked a little bit before you do some third party yep um and so what what was the how'd you get into that so that was just us getting pretty good at it and then Chelsea throwing her clients to us. <laughs> so anybody who was planning on doing vacation rental, um, we at least got like kind of first crack at it. And so we built, I mean, our first probably half dozen clients were from her. Okay. Just referrals. Uh, and then we got a couple of referrals from existing clients. Um, and there's a few that just kind of showed up. We don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> just called you and you're like, why'd you find me? Yeah. And it, and it worked out. <laughs> Um, some of you touched on a little bit. How does how did COVID affect everything? Um, how is it still affecting everything? So last year, it it really hit at St. Patrick's Day last year, um, and then the once the like lockdown started happening, just our calendars emptied, and we were booked three three months out. Like we were we were full, and then April was zero, so nothing. Were you stressing? Yeah, <laughs> I think everybody was. We didn't. I was like. I mean, we were coming up with strategies to sell. Like it was, we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and before we had to start taking action, we started getting people that were like, I call them like COVID refugees that were like fleeing New York and were headed to their summer home in Florida and stuff like that. And once people were like, it was safe to at least like leave their house. People were, people were traveling again. Um, May was about, May of last year was about 75% of what we usually do. It picked up quick, and then July was our best month ever last year. Whoa. Like, we couldn't believe how fast it came back. Um, that's in Savannah. Right. So I don't I don't know how it was outside of that, but we're a pretty good stop between the Northeast and Florida going both ways. So we get we had a lot of transient people like that, um, and it's it's been fine since. So it's not slowed down again at all? No. No. April was zero. May was three quarters, and then it, it picked right back up. Has there been any um, like increase, like restrictions set by the city or anything that has affected yeah. short-term rentals? Yeah, they. So initially, they they said they turned it off for the month of April. I mean, like that was they literally part, just said no. Yeah, they said there was there was only like two or three weeks where they they did that. Um, but then since then, they their their regulations aren't. Airbnb had a bunch of like changes that we had to we had like all new cleaning protocol. We had to retrain our our staff to get better at, but. Other than that, there wasn't any major impositions, and people expect now a cleaner place. I mean, they and we get hit. I mean, our cleaning staff does a fantastic job, but uh, we get hit harder if they miss something. You know, they're like the guest expects a a better product. What? Um, how does it? What increase things that are Airbnb doing, and then how do they enforce that? They. I mean, it's so feedback driven. I mean, if okay. if you're if your place, if guests like three guests in a row are saying that the the house wasn't super clean when they check in, then Airbnb customer support will they'll reach out to you and say, hey, like reminder, these are the cleaning standards. Like uh, listings that aren't that have multiple complaints about are subject to removal from the platform. And I mean, we've seen on it never happened to us, but we've seen on forums people getting their their account just gets deleted and they don't just overnight gone. What? Yeah. Could you imagine? Like that's your living, and you wake up one day and it's just deleted. Yeah, 
So, I mean, we don't, we, it's not a problem that we have, we've never even bumped up in, bumped into that problem or come close to it. So, but got to stay in our game. <laughs> What's the craziest story from running? Oh God. You have like a crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we had like a, she was like a crackhead, I think was trying to squat. Um, and she was like two or three hours late checking out. And, um, so like her reservation's over. So I knocked and she finally said I could, could, I was trying to tell her like, Hey, I can help you like get your bags out, like whatever you need. I was trying to be nice. And so she let me in and the place just reeked of weed. Like there's like literally a house full of stuff in our, in our listing that she'd brought in. And so I was taking everything out and as I was pulling it out, I looked down and there was a revolver in, the, in one of the bags. What? I was like, Oh God. So I'm like trying to be super nice and like help her out. Um, and so I like, I put that bag like way off, like away from away the other from ones so I could like at least see if she was going that way. Right. And so we finally got her out and I like locked the door, like, like barricaded myself in there until I was sure she was gone. Why did she let you in all of a sudden? I don't know. What is, what recourse do you have in that situation? Like, do you have to go through regular eviction? Would uh, you have to? It's really up in the air. Um, Airbnb has a process, but it's not fast. So you basically say you have an overdue guest. It's not leaving. They try to what they'll try to do is put up your next guest somewhere else in town. They'll try to make arrangements to like so that they can work on that problem. But you don't get compensated for that. No. Okay. No, it's it's your problem. Um, I mean, you can the the police are kind of like they it's very similar to to tenant laws and that's kind of how the police operate is like normal landlord tenant regulations with that like they don't want to they don't want to touch it so but that's the only situation you've had where somebody like have you ever had anybody else to stay we've had we've had people stay late they're like an hour or two we we have people that they'll book like a night and they're they think they have three nights and so like no i don't check out till tomorrow i'm like no i mean based on and we're very upfront like Thanks so much for booking with us. These are this is the date you're checking in. This is the date you're checking out, um, and it's on the reservation too. And people still miss it. So, have you ever thought about doing like a mandatory three days or something? Like, how many times do you have somebody just come for one night? Is that common? Yeah, it's pretty common. Oh, okay. So, yeah. like, if you did like a three day man- mandatory, it might like doesn't do anything for us. I mean, we some of the bigger ones will do that for if we're worried about like parties because usually a party is going to be like a one night thing, and that was. A, especially around the st- when the stimuluses were dropping, we were getting a lot of locals throwing parties, and that was a pain. Um, so some of the listings needed, we put a minimum in for a little bit, but other than that, it's our average guest is awesome. So that's we have to remind ourselves that every once in a while. But. <laughs> um, are you only doing downtown Savannah? Yeah. Well, how do you feel about like other markets? Like, Have you been looking at all or thought about like Tybee? Or- yeah. Uh, I like downtown because I'm within striking distance of all the properties. I can show up on site within 10 minutes anywhere, um, which I think is really important. Um, I haven't, we haven't needed to expand and we have something good going there. So we don't, I I just haven't seen the need. Uh, If, I mean, if rentals start getting scarce, like maybe, but I, there's an, once again, there's enough business downtown that I don't, I haven't branched out at all. What's your, like, do you, like, what is your long-term play with all this? Uh, I don't know how long vacation renting, I mean, is going to be a thing. Like, I don't, I don't know if the entire economy is going to shift and all of a sudden everybody is renting their house out. So like there's huge saturation. Uh, it's good right now, but I, so I'm trying to get as much business out of it while it's good. But really my long-term play is long-term investments, long-term rentals, like, it's tried and true. It's been a thing for thousands of years, probably like since people had houses, they've been running it out. So I don't think that's going anywhere. So anytime we buy a place, we make sure it makes sense as a long-term rental, even if it's going to be a vacation rental, because it just gives us more options. So my long-term play is acquiring as many multi-units as I can that will cash flow as long-term rentals. Okay. So that's kind of your next play then is kind of maybe not expand the the vacation rental so much and maybe move into yeah, we're, uh, I mean, I think we're tapped out. My wife and I are at capacity for management, so we won't, there's, we're making a good enough living. It's, we can sleep at night because there was a period when I was still in the army and she was, she's actually a 
forensic psychologist. We were, we were doing this on the side. So we were not, we were doing laundry until like 2am and it was crazy. Um, so we're at, we're at a stable point right now and we're just going to, we're going to sit on this for a while, I think. And then just our invest, our savings and the money we make with the houses and the management is just going to property acquisition okay. right now. And so you're just building up a fund and you're going to start just buying up more long-term plays. Are you going to manage those yourself? Yeah. Okay. There, uh, I mean, there's plenty, there's still plenty of deals to, to be had around here and I'll buy a, I'll buy a non-vacation rental a little like outside of town. Like I would, I have no problem with that, but in town it's just easier. I don't, I don't have to figure the 10% management in right. for my calculation because I can handle it. So have you thought about building on a team at all? Uh, as far as like, like, for, like for the help ma- on the management side. Yeah. Like, a, yeah. Like yeah. We, assistance or I don't know. Uh-huh. Really we, what kind of we had a full-time manager that okay. we had, we had one employee. Um, she's great. Oh, you have it right now still? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're, she's going to be switching out soon, uh, so we're kind of hunting for somebody else. But it's it's a hard position because you you need a, really need a jack-of-all-trades. Like, right. The job description is whatever's happening that day. <laughs> and some people thrive. All things real estate. Yeah. It's And you got to be able to get dirty, too. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm the real estate investor, but, like, I unclog toilets. Like, I stand – sometimes I'm standing ankle-deep in poop water, like – Sometimes I'm being nice to somebody who's not nice. There's there's a lot of parts that some people can't bring themselves down to do, and you you really can't have an ego with vacation running. It's it's hospitality. Like you got to be the smiling customer service person no matter what's going on, even when somebody's shouting at you, which usually isn't the case, but it comes up. Yeah, I imagine that it uh, people get uh, weird. My mom, I'll put it in the words of my mom so I don't get ridiculed, but there's a lot of Karens. It's a real thing. It is a real thing. Like we, we screen our guests based on first name every once in a while. <laughs> so not we don't screen them, but we we just get ready to expect a, right what the, a higher level of service. Hey guys, being we can't required. go anywhere this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, something we kind of skipped over, but I've been kind of thinking about in the back of my mind is uh, a unique situation with vacation rentals is you have to furnish the whole place. Yep. Well, how do you go about doing that? Are you buying the furniture? Are you renting it? Where are you buying it from? You know? Yeah. Um, my wife has a design eye, so okay. she's on Wayfair a lot. Um, there's <laughs> Boxes just showing up to your house every All day. the time. Just <laughs> stacked in front of the house. Um, yeah, and she she has a lot of fun designing them, too. Like, it's it's enjoyable for her, and putting it together and setting up a listing is, like, her favorite part of the job. So And is it all just in her head, or is she putting it on a computer? Like, how is she going through that Yeah, process? it depends. For us, like, for our if she's helping a client out, then she'll do like a, a vision board or whatever, whatever those are called, like kind of take like little clips and put it on a PowerPoint and be yeah. like, Hey, this is what, that's what I'm thinking. Um, but for our stuff, it's just in her head. She's just walking around and it's like magic. She's like, and three quarters of the time I'm like, you want to do what? And then, <laughs> and then I see it and I'm like, Oh, okay. I get it. Like, that's, that's awesome. It's actually funny when uh, we just did this, long-term flip like recently and like chelsea and her team came through um carla i don't know if you've mm-hmm. met carla yeah and they're like oh we want to do like this color and these colors and do all this stuff and like in the back of my mind i'm thinking like oh my gosh this is not gonna look good like the trim's gonna be like the same color as the walls it's gonna be the same color as the ceiling all with different sheens you know and uh i gotta give them credit like when you have an eye like that it's, yeah i don't understand it no i don't either it's crazy how like the two it, great. chelsea and carla are like are wizards with that stuff they have crazy. They have a great eye for for it. Yeah, they do a good job. That we ended up getting like way more than asking because I don't know because I guess the finishes were good. You know? And it, you said it was a, a flip. Yeah, it was a flip. It was a duplex, three thousand square foot, um, in uh, Sylvan Terrace. Okay. Uh, and we bought it for one eighty, put eighty thousand into it, and sold it for four twenty five. That's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we have multiple realtors tell us beforehand it was worth like three fifty, uh-huh. which still would have worked out. Which still would have worked out. We thought yeah. it was great. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, and Chelsea and Chelsea just said, "Well, let's just list it for four hundred. We'll see what happens." And then uh, day one, we got an offer for four twenty five. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Take it. Nice. Yeah. It worked out. But and and that's why I always I do my numbers and my planning off the basically the worst case scenario. So like, which really limits the number of deals I I can get into, but I have a lot of comfort, especially with, I mean, we're, we're talking tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes. Like 
I don't, I don't want to restrict myself to like, this will only be successful as a vacation rental or a flip or something like that. Like I like to have four or five outs on every single deal so that, and I, and I plan to the, the worst case of that so that everything on top of that is just gravy. I mean, it's just unexpected. Like I don't, I don't consider principal pay down at all. I don't even, I ignore it. I don't care. I mean, it's, it's just one of the perks of owning property that I don't, I don't figure, but I know in the back of my head is also happening, but I don't, I don't do the math on it. So you're more like a Grant Cardone kind of guy. I, I'm not familiar with him. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. Oh, okay, never mind. That, uh, you should look him up. Oh, he's Grant extreme. Cardone? Yeah, Grant Cardone. He's pretty intense, but he's like, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. Like, who cares about anything else? Cash flow. Yeah. That's, I, I always, when I'm kind of explaining mortgages to people, and they're like, whoa, that's so much interest. Like, over the course, you're going to pay this much. I'm like, I don't care if that money is funding terror. Like if, God, <laughs> like, if it's 2000 is coming out and 3000 is coming in, I don't. I don't care what that two thousand dollars that I'm paying every month is. It's, it's just like an expense on the. It's it just it's part of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't care if it's principal pay down. I don't care if it's interest. I don't care if it's taxes. I don't care if it's insurance. Like if I can get deals on all those things and make that number smaller, sure. Like that's it's an important part of investing. But I, I don't care what it is. <laughs> I really don't. Are you worried if the economy takes a turn and, and cash flow starts to decrease? Right. Because like how much wiggle room you said? I know you said ten percent cash on cash return. Yeah. Um. But if you're refinancing out to like 80% and mm-hmm. these all start to take a dive, like, is that? I, I don't ever plan on selling. Like, I don't figure selling the house into my equation. So I'm not really, so if the real estate market turns, I'm not in trouble. Or at least I don't think I am. If the, if rents start going down, like, yeah, that would, I think that would be an issue. But I don't know how many times in history that's happened. I don't know. I don't know. The, do you know the statistics on 0708? I don't know. No, I don't. And I I have read that in times of economic downturn, less people are buying houses and more people are renting. So right. I, I think I'm okay. I, I, once again, I have I have no formal education in this. So in, uh, in two years, somebody's going to listen to this and be like, wow, what an idiot. <laughs> or my age gracefully. I'm yeah. making more money than ever in two years. Yeah. I wonder how much like an economic downturn that would like affect the tourism here. What you do is so unique, right? Because yeah. like, pretty much never before in history at this level have we seen vacation rentals right. being done like this, right? Airbnb really blew it open. Yeah. So I think that there is a lot of unknowns. Like no one's, no one, you know, at a mass scale, no one's really gone through that. Right. right. I mean, how many guys were doing it before? How many guys were doing it 20 years ago? I mean, vacation rentals have always been a thing. Like you were always renting, people have always been renting a beach house. Yeah. Like that's, or a ski, like a, a cabin up in up in the mountains like that's always been a thing right now it's just very widely available and very easy um but yeah that's i don't it's new to the it's new to the economy so that's why i'm not putting all my eggs in in there like i'm not I, i'm not reliant on airbnb with my investing i will i will not let myself be reliant on it um our fallback plan is me and wife just go get jobs is like <laughs> <laughs> so which i feel like is a good position to to be in because we're both we're working for ourselves now and that's i think the best part of of all of it so she ended up quitting her nine to five too yeah at what point at what point in all that did you retire or uh yeah discharge I, and what what did when did she kind of quit so she left in the beginning of 20 the end of 2019 so december oh, okay, of so 19 that, okay so you're pretty deep into it yeah and she I, we had we were very busy with management at that point um and then i left literally I stopped, I, I had a lot of leave saved up, so I effectively stopped working around December of this year, and I officially got out three weeks ago. What? So I'm, I'm fresh out. Yeah, you're fresh? <laughs> yeah. So this is like a newfound, like, uh, it's, free time for it, you. It's whatever. amazing. I mean, we're we're busy. It's We're working all the time, but it's a lot lower intensity, if that makes sense. Yeah, does it feel weird? It does. Like, it's, it's awesome. I got I to, gotta, like, pinch myself, like, driving around, like, uh, like grumbling, going to Home Depot, and I'm like, wait a minute for the third time that day but like i kind of crack the windows and like turn the music up i'm like oh i'm, I'm working right now this right is, i'm just rolling around town this is awesome um how many hours a day were you working before i mean the army was uh i was in i was in a special ops unit so we weren't like forced like we didn't have forced workouts or anything like that it was they trusted you to be an elite soldier so i was i'd show up to work about eight thirty, and then i'd between five and six i was done I mean, that's separate from deployments and traveling for training and stuff like that, which was 
I mean, I'd be gone. I was gone a lot. Um, but the, now it's, she, you know, we don't set alarms. We wake up, (laughs) we, we start working when, like after I've had my coffee and kind of like chilled out for a little bit and we, we work until we run out of stuff to do during the day. And Do do you get a lot of middle of the night calls? We used to, um, what I think really happened was the stuff that would break in the middle of the night over time all got fixed just from us showing up in the middle of the night to fix it. And then I'd always over engineer the repair. So I think the stuff that there's always issues, but the, the stuff that was going to go wrong has already gone wrong. So we get, yeah, we get like drunk people locked out and stuff like that. Um, get, we got bats in the house. Like there's, Stuff crazy stuff you can't even imagine. Like, do you have to go capture the bat? I uh, <laughs> I had a broom, and it was a, I did I had a home run derby, and <laughs> <laughs> just like a rock, just, just whack like the ball. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Actually, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, you would never have that in a long term rental. Somebody called you with that, you're like, uh, call pest control. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, there's. I wish I should have I should have had a list of like five craziest vacation rental stories but there's there's too much we had one time we had a person this is my favorite one they they said that they were it was really hot in the unit and we're like oh okay um she's like yeah the thermostat says 77 i'm like oh wow like that's serious what's what's it set at she's like 77 i'm like wait what okay um why don't you try to turn it down to like 73 and see if it cools off in the house <laughs> just let us know if it doesn't work <laughs> That's what the heck yeah i there's what are you there, like, like you, you have to you have to be nice you have to be like you you have to admit that there's an issue that with the house or something and that's shocking yeah I, I just imagine her like just baking in her house all day, like yeah. <laughs> like back at wherever she lives. Yeah. Like all summer, she's like, I don't know why uh, it's so hot. So here. hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So there's a. My wife is way better at handling issues like that, where because me, I I just want to be like, I'm I'm sarcastic by nature, and I I really want to let people know when they're outrageously wrong but i just you can't gotta gotta bite your tongue tongue. yeah so do you enjoy doing the short-term rentals like outside so i understand it's lucrative yeah obviously that's why you guys have been doing it all this time right Right. but do you enjoy it more than the long term yeah um i like i mean the long term is cool because i have a good relationship with our tenants and i i try to be a cool landlord and take care of them whenever they've got issues um there's a lot of times where i'm like I'm pissed off when I'm getting off the couch to like go fix an issue. But like after having an interaction with the guest, solving their problem and then they're like super grateful after, like I, I always drive home feeling good about whatever I was, was over there for, even if it was stupid, I'm still like, I mean, most people are, are cool, friendly, like having a great time in town. And if they meet the host, they're, they're excited and stuff like that. So yeah, it, it is really rewarding. And then the clients too, whenever, if we make our clients a ton of money, cause we're, we're commission based. So the more they make, the more we make whenever they're just thrilled with, with the performance of their place. And then that's, that's rewarding too. So. Not to get too much in the weeds of what you do, but like industry wide. So like, what's the standard like management structure for, if you're doing it for like third party for somebody? Um, I don't really know. Uh, like did you research it all before you started? Doing yeah, it? we did a little bit. I know that. I know people charge the big companies charge between fifteen and thirty percent. Okay, um, that's a pretty big margin. Yeah, it's huge. I know of people that pay like almost a third out to their their managers, and we're kind of we're we're on the lower end, but we're kind of in the middle of that. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. I mean, since it's so full time, it's you can't. I think standard for like long term management is what around ten percent, with maybe yeah the first month going to going to the manager or half the first month going to the manager. It's it requires so much more than that that you gotta you gotta charge more, really, f- to make it worth your time. And what expenses are the man? Are, is the management company are you covering? Like, are you covering the cleaning costs or are they? Uh, no, the the guest the guest is effectively. Oh, I guess yeah. Yeah, okay. there, there's a cleaning fee, and we just pass that right on to the cleaners. Um, but there's there's city hotel taxes, state sales tax, which is covered by the guests now. 
Um, and then like your, the normal stuff you'd imagine, toilet paper, um, like water bottles, snacks, air filters, light bulbs, that kind of stuff. You guys cover that or they, uh, the, the owner? Okay. Yeah. What our, our 20% is, uh, 20% ish, depending on the contract is, uh, just full service. Okay. So unlimited middle of the night calls, like that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, let me ask you this. I just saw this come through, which is Kemp just signed a law um, regarding taxes mm-hmm. on short-term rentals. You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how do you think that that's going to affect what you guys do? Are you, like, yeah. you going to have to raise your prices to account for that? or like, well, And maybe we'll not see. just you, like because you have your pulse on the market, right? Yeah. Most people don't have their pulse on the short-term rental market like you do. How do you think that that will affect the industry in Georgia overall? Uh, I, I think the market is so hot right now that it won't. Um, at least initially, um, COVID weeded kind of weeded out some of the lower performing properties, but since then there's such a travel demand, which I don't even think we fully realized the, the travel demand, like once the entire country is wide open and everybody wants to get out, like it's crazy right now. So I can't even imagine in six months to a year what it's going to be. That's so, going to be insane because every big city is still locked down mostly. Yeah. I mean, not so much down here, but especially up North and out West. Yeah. Once those people get moving. I've heard a lot of people compare it to going to be like the Roaring Twenties again. Yeah, that'd like, be cool. Just insane. Yeah, I'm gonna start. I'll start dressing like a, a gangster. And <laughs> <laughs> make really embrace the Twenties aspect of it. <laughs> It'll be cool until uh, 1929. Until 2029. I mean, it's gonna happen again, right? I mean, it's gotta happen eventually, right? Yeah. Like all this money in the market and stuff is, this is just not sustainable, right? Yeah. I mean, it's good. I just don't. I I don't know enough about macroeconomics, but it. I mean, if you look in history, every 30 to 40 years, there's a massive correction. So just got to hopefully we've made enough and made sound enough investments that we're not losing our shirt if that if that does happen. How are you continuing your education? Like, are you on bigger pockets all the time? Are you listening to podcasts, audible books? Like what kind of what do you? Uh, yeah, uh, bigger pockets. I'm trying to pay more attention to business news um, and then just networking like like this i think is i um, i'm sure i'm gonna have a bunch of takeaways from this and like <laughs> meeting people talking about like what they're doing and stuff um but yeah books just reading when i can um do you have any books you recommend uh, outside of rich dad poor dad no, no yeah. classic uh the so the best i feel like the best intro is the bigger pockets it's the book on rental property investing oh yeah by brandon turner yeah yeah it's the best down and dirty. Like it explains everything in there. Um, I like that one. Um, they got me on. I read the Richest Man in Babylon, which is another kind of like rich dad poor dad kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I I did Dave Ramsey. Okay. I didn't do it, but I read it, and <laughs> like my method is pretty much the reverse Dave Ramsey. Right. Where he's like, get out of debt, and I'm like, bury yourself in debt. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there. Dave Ramsey's good for it's good for everybody, but if you are a if you're going to be a hardcore property investor, you you need to ignore pretty much everything he says in there. Right. So it's good for. I used to. I would for my soldiers. I would give them, like I would give them Dave Ramsey. I'm like, hey, this is gonna it's gonna help you get like, um, like get on good footing. Like you're gonna you'll have a get all your debt under control and like plans to pay it off. Like this is great for you and it, it'll work out for you. But the ones who are like, Hey, I'm thinking about like buying a house or something like that. I'm like, all right, ignore all the Dave Ramsey stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like this is, this is how you need to, to leverage to really do what you want to do. It seems, and maybe from an outsider, I'm wrong, but it seems that there is a real growth of people in the military investing like a movement yeah. almost. Yeah. On the inside, did you feel like that? Were a lot more people talking about it? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just, like, the VA loan is such a weapon that, like, I didn't even realize till after, like, what a, what a stinking deal it is. Like, now the limit is, I think it's over a million dollars for a multi-unit. Yeah. So you can basically, with no money down, borrow a million dollars. And the rate is, it's the lowest rate that you can possibly get. There's no, there's no like, PMI or anything on top of that. Like, the I think it's, the VA is, guaranteeing your loan for you so, which is insane yeah so hopefully it doesn't come back to buy, buy them yeah. on over a million but. yeah and i tell people like they're like hey i'm thinking about doing my va loan like i want to get a multi-unit i'm like all right you need to you need to max it out like get 
if the cash flow makes sense, you need to you need to use as much of that loan as possible. Do you follow any of those military investing podcasts or anything? Mm. Oh, okay. You should look them up. There's no. some good ones. I don't know them offhand. I'll, we can talk about it after the podcast. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what got me thinking about it because I keep seeing lots of Facebook groups, lots of podcasts, and whatever. Yeah. Um, there. What was going around my office was the uh, um, was self banking was with um whole uh. Let me try to get the term right. High value whole life or high cash value whole life insurance there was like guys in there doing that which it's i mean that's like a whole another hour-long discussion <laughs> about how that works i don't know anything about that is it yeah you basically like it's like a life insurance policy but you pay the premiums are really high and the the value is really high but you can borrow against it so you basically and it continues to build value even even though you've withdrawn or borrowed against it so you're basically getting your money back while it's still building up and like if you do it right you're basically supposed to have all of your money withdrawn and it just whatever you have out just is get, counts against your death gratuity so you're like you want to die with like a million dollars borrowed against the policy because that means you have it and then they just cut your gratuity from 2.2 to 1.2 or whatever i got you okay yeah I know, like Dave Ramsey touches on whole life insurance because I yeah. like I tell like I talk to this a lot with a lot of investors, which is like Dave Ramsey's great for personal stuff. Yes, but, like business wise, like you'll never build a real estate like empire or whatever. Yeah, you'll never get to a point where you can retire off real estate. Yeah, um, at a young age. Yeah, unless you borrow money. Yeah, and I I I was just talking to one of my friends. Well, we used to work together, um, and he's he's got a couple of units in town. And he said he has one paid off. And I was like, what's that doing for you? Like, I understand having a place paid off because your cash flow is, is awesome, probably. You're, because, I mean, you're getting all your rent. But if you've got a place that with, like, that you only have, you have, like, 75% equity in, and but you're still paying, like, the original 30-year mortgage payment on it, like, you need to refinance to get your money back. Like, that, all of that money is doing nothing for you. Equities if not used the right way. I mean, if you can refinance and get a lower payment and makes your cash flow better, that makes sense to me. But just having equity doesn't doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but it increases your cash flow, like you just said. Right, but yeah. Like if you did them on 15 year, right? Well, it depends on what your end goal is, I guess. Right. Right, like if you're trying to buy five or 10 of them and be done. Yeah. Right, get them on 15 year. Yeah. Right, maybe where you take a little less cash flow, work for those 15 years, yeah. you get done, you got five or 10 yeah, great Yeah, you, you can stop. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to do anything else. At that point, yeah. But so I can understand that strategy, yeah. Right? Or even only offer or only borrowing up to fifty percent or something to keep that payment lower. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's so like, I my thirty year mortgage that I got two years ago. My payment, let's just say, is twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah. In twenty years, my payment's gonna be twenty five hundred bucks. But I'm gonna have I'm gonna own two thirds of the house at that point. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like you need to like at that twenty year mark refinance to knock your payment down but still paying that amount at that point without much equity you're because you're still getting the cash flow from the original deal um because you're you're still you still have the high payment like refinance get the lower payment or um yeah i mean that's what that's the only thing i would tell you to do at that point <laughs> yeah <laughs> let me ask you this if you could go back like day one you or let's just say you're talking to somebody day one they're still in the military yeah they got access to the va they're looking at investing what advice would you give them um you, you need to as soon as you get stationed somewhere i mean this doesn't this doesn't work everywhere because i know that some of the markets are tough outside of military bases in other parts of the country but if if you're about to you should see what rent is and like kind of market rent for what you want and then you need to look at buying a house because your mortgage payment is probably going to be lower than that. Um, so I I tell them they use a VA loan, buy a house, like at least start getting some because you're you're probably going to be able to rent it out for whatever you're about to pay in rent somewhere else. So buy a house and house hack it or just buy a house and so the military is going to move you every three to four years. So yeah, just if you can buy a buy a house every every place you go. Um, and I mean there is always going to be a rent demand because there's a military base there and people just like you are going to be moving in right behind you. So be the landlord is, is what I tell them. Did you meet a lot of guys inside that did that? Like maybe would like go to a market, buy, go to the next market, buy. And yeah. then now they just own like single families all across the country. Yeah. 
And they, how do they normally do that? They self-manage them? Uh, both. I've seen both. Um, there's, there's property managers. I mean, because I rented at most of my first few duty stations, and there's property managers that specialize in military families and transient soldiers. So um, a lot of them just leave it to those kind of management companies to do it. But there's plenty of guys that are – if you get a good – military tenants are usually pretty good. So they can you can self manage if you're just renting to the guy who replaced you. Um, another question I like to ask people is kind of like, um, it seems like a reoccurring theme is the more you give, the more you get. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that you guys are, you know, any charities you guys are like big on, or any way you know ways you're kind of giving back that you would encourage other people to do? Or we would like to with my wife dealt with. Um, she was a forensic psychologist, so basically all of her all of her patients were people that were facing criminal charges. Um, so she kind of really opened my eyes to like mental illness and I, I didn't really understand it before then, but like a lot of those guys really, they committed crimes while they were mentally unstable. Like they weren't in charge of like what was going on. I mean, they might've been on drugs or something else, but there's like most homeless people you see doing like crazy stuff in the street are mentally ill. So eventually we're, I'd like to be in a position where we don't really have to work all the time. And we both have talked about like doing something like that. I mean, she, she could use her, her expertise, but like pretty much setting up a, a, a structure where people can get a, get a bed and also like get restored to with like treatment, counseling, medication, like that kind of stuff. So this is down the road. We're right now we're too busy, which is terrible to really put effort into it. But Eventually, that's something we'd like to do. That's pretty intense. I never really thought about that before. Like, um, it'd be tough dealing with criminal. Like, because where do you draw the line? I guess. Like, at what point should somebody go to prison for doing something? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, if it's not them, because it's like a mental illness or yeah, whatever. That, like, that's what they would. That's what she and the other, the rest of the team would have to figure out. So she would testify in court. Like, yeah, this guy was out of his mind like crazy when the crime was committed. So like. And courts sometimes it's harder in Georgia, but courts sometimes find like, yeah, you weren't in control, but, like not guilty, it's, and not guilty where he's in of insanity. It's a plea. Dang, it, it happens. Yeah. Have you guys um, found like so something that's kind of been another thing that's been a little bit reoccurring is we keep getting into like local politics on here mm-hmm. a little bit, um, which I don't want to get too much in the weeds and, like politics but has the way that the savannah local politics works like affected your business very much or like have you guys been able to escape by that pretty easily yeah i mean the cap was i think the cap helped us because right now they're i think the city would have turned into a, a vacation rental city there wouldn't be, there wouldn't be anything else because um, i think the demand to travel here exceeds the supply of hotels and houses so i think if every town every house in town was a vacation rental I think everybody would have business. I, I think the demand's that crazy right now. Um, so the cap, the cap helped our business, I think. Um, but that's probably been the biggest one. I mean, they're talking about raising the, the hotel tax, which will a couple percent that we might take a hit for it, or we might just raise prices and never notice it. Kind of convenient, isn't it? They, they charge you the hotel tax and then they say, oh, now we're going to increase it. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and there's like, there's an argument that, oh, it's carried, it's picked up by the guest. Well, not really. That's not, in my mind, that's not how the hotel tax is paid. Like the guest is, if the tax is raised, they're going to have to pay more and we're going to have to lower a different price. Like if we're at the perfect price point, so to, to absorb it. Unless everybody in the whole city increases. Yeah, but I don't know if that's going to impact the the demand to stay in Savannah. It's pretty insane how many people come here. Do you know the statistic? I'm sure I, you do. Not, I don't really. Really? It's a couple million, a lot. <laughs> 14 million. 14? 14. 14. 9 million people stay overnight, 14 million people come. In a year? In a year. Yeah, every year. Yeah. Annually. Well, that was like 2019. Okay. So I don't know if that increased. Well, if you had the best summer ever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's just pretty crazy. Savannah's a pretty great great. great. Why did you guys choose Savannah? Where are you from originally? I grew up in Pittsburgh. Really? Yeah. I meet so many people here from Pennsylvania. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. People hate living there. It's cold. <laughs> it's still cold. It snowed last week. Yeah, actually, um, I don't know if you are familiar with Pat Wilbur 
Uh, yeah, Pat and I are tight. Okay, yeah, yeah, he's there right now. Yeah, he was just telling me, like, dude, you don't want to be... Because I'm from Michigan, we were thinking about moving back. Yeah. He's like, you don't want to be here. It's <laughs> what I went right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then why did you settle on Savannah? Kind of. I got stationed here. Um, and, but, I mean, why... Like, this couldn't have been the only place you were stationed, right? Um, I got super lucky, so I went to flight school in Alabama, and then my first duty station was Savannah. Okay, and yep. you were just here I went, ever since? Well, I went, I went right to Afghanistan when I got here, and then I came back... And I was like, this place is awesome. <laughs> My wife and I met here. Um, she was also like, this place is awesome. And uh, so I had to I had to go away for a year and a half for like just some basically mid, mid-career mid professional development kind of stuff. And then I got an aircraft transition. I switched from the Apache to the Chinook. And um, when we found out, I very luckily got stationed back here. So... I, that's insane. I, right? I always say I screw the army. I screwed the army out of two tours in Savannah, <laughs> like cause that's it's like one of the top. I think it's one of the best army duty stations, other than like Hawaii. Oh yeah, that'd be sweet. <laughs> yeah. In Oahu. Yeah. Um. So did you end up doing just one tour? In Afghanistan? Yeah. No, I went six times. Six times. Yeah, they were a lot. This the the second the first one was longer, but the the la- the five subsequent were were, were shorter shorter like, so like one to, one to two months oh okay yeah dang it doesn't but even hardly seem flying you over there worth flying you over there for one to two months. there was there's a lot of aircraft coming and going so we would just hitch rides in and out and what we were doing was pretty intense and required like we'd work 14 hour days the, the entire time we were there so like you get especially with the crazy level of detail we would go to with planning you're exhausted at like you're tired at the 30 day mark and you are almost unfunctional at the end of 60 days <laughs> like it's it's intense do you think um it's funny i was just listening this morning about like getting soldiers like apparently they're gonna it was gonna be july now it's gonna be september right they're supposed to like get out of it oh yeah yeah do you think that that's like achievable i don't know are you allowed to have an i mean you can have an opinion oh uh, yeah i'm out of the army yeah, I can yeah you're out of the army yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah there's there's always gonna be a problem over there i think um you think that if we pull out of it, it's I don't know what's going to happen. They might find some, like, some... I think they're going to find some equilibrium of violence that is, like, tragic but stable, if that makes sense. It's not. It's never going to be, like, this awesome place to live, but, I mean, you can think about how many terrible countries there are that ex- continue to exist in that terrible state. Um, it's probably better than it was under Taliban control now, but, like... There's always going to be a problem over there. There's always going to be a problem in Syria. There's always going to be a problem in, I don't know, pick Iraq, North Korea. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know. Do you think we'll actually ever be able to get out of there? So, like, if they say, so I don't know the inner workings behind the scenes, right? I don't yeah. know what I see on the news or whatever. If they say that we're out of there in September, do you think we're really out? Or are we, like, there's, we, I don't know how does that work. Like, we, have a, we have a presence everywhere. Okay, yeah. We cool. really do. Um, it is I think it's strategically, even if the country itself is not that great, it is, it's strategically located. I mean, it's right between Iran, Pakistan, like it has borders with a bunch of other problem children in the area. So I don't know. It may be advantageous to have a continuing presence there of some sort, just keep everybody else in check. I gotcha. Well, not to get too much in the weeds, I guess that's a, that's a good note to end on. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. Um, How can people find you? Uh, Because we were talking before the show. Yeah. Looking for deals always. Um, we don't we don't have a website. We are, I mean, you can text me. You can send me an email. Ooh, I don't know if you want to put your phone number out there. Maybe yeah, your email. What's your email? Uh, they can get in touch with you if they want to get in touch with <laughs> <me>. <laughs> All, right. All right. Sounds good. So you can, you can weed them out. And you, can, you can screen them. And if, if they're legit, then send Pass them my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, man. And uh, catch you later. It was a ton of fun. Thank you. Thanks, man. See ya.